Well, take your Bible and turn back to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter number 12, where we were this morning. And we'll continue in this thought of life as a sacrifice. This will be part two of life as a sacrifice or the seventh message in our authentic Christianity. This morning we begin the process of unpackaging all that Paul said in the first verse, especially in the first portion of this first verse in the 12th chapter. Now, if you have never read the book of Romans in its entirety, if you've never studied all of what's there in this epistle, this is a loaded, loaded letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. This is, if it was a baked potato, a loaded baked potato with cheese, butter, sour cream, chives, and bacon bits. This is a loaded baked potato. Is anybody hungry? Wonderful. Stay with me and you can go have a loaded baked potato. Some like to put their loaded baked potato in a soup. I'm not sure why, but you can enjoy that if that's what you choose. So here we are, this incredible, incredible chapter, the 12th chapter of Romans. The first 11 chapters have been to deal with mostly the doctrines of salvation, justification, sanctification is mentioned in these chapters. And now we get to the practical application in a Christian's life. All that God has done for man is explained in the first 11 chapters. And now we're here, chapter number 12. And this is where you and I step in and begin our process of responsibility. Uh, We will highlight just a few things, just a few points or nuggets from this morning just to remind you to kind of reintroduce you to this thought as life as a sacrifice. And I think it's something that we'll do every time we explore one of these authentic Christianity messages is to remind ourselves why we are exploring authentic Christianity. And as we do this together, we must be reminded that Authentic Christianity demands to be defined by God's word, free of extra biblical nuance or personal adaptation to suit personal preference or fleshly desire. In other words, as we continue as just this morning, that we are going to the foundation, the footers, the very beginnings of our faith, and we're examining where we stand with God. We're examining everything that we believe and why we believe it. And we understand that to be a biblical charge that we would know that we're in the faith. And in the day and hour in which we're living, in the day and hour in which your children are living, you must know without a shadow of a doubt that what you believe and what you act upon in your home is rooted in God's word. That it's not your opinion, that it's not your idea or some sort of religious rule that you've constructed just because it sounds good on paper or is an easier thing to say than what the truth is. But the truth is that if you are going to live a life that is authentic in your faith, it must be rooted in God's word. We will continue to say that. We will continue to embrace that because it is an absolute dire need in today's church. We are overwhelmed, we are saturated with people who have a misrepresented understanding of who God is. There are millions of people who identify themselves in our country who say that they are a Christian but have no idea what the office work of the Holy Spirit is. 
They don't know what the doctrines of salvation are. They don't know who and what Jesus really was while he was in his ministry on earth. And if we're going to withstand the dark day, the evil, the oppression, maybe even possibly the persecution that could come against the church, then each and every person here must have a strong, rooted, authentic faith that is found and defined by God's word. If there's something that uh, challenges your heart through these messages, I invite you to go back through scripture and find what it is that your heart is challenged by. Be sure of your faith, the Bible says. It's a wonderful thing for us all to explore exactly where we stand with God. There were two things I said this morning that I want to repeat tonight. The first is this. Authentic Christianity is not found in what you can get from God. Authentic Christianity, true faith, authentic life with Christ is not based upon what you can get from God. And we talked about the fact that you've already received everything you would ever need from God when you were saved. That's the greatest thing he could ever do for you. Authentic Christianity is found in what you give to God, what you put on the altar as a living sacrifice. And so this morning, we begin the process of understanding what a living sacrifice really is and understanding that God desires us in a very particular way. God wants our hearts. We talked about this fact that my praise and my desire to worship as a lifestyle must be equal to my sacrifice. And certainly God, he has always wanted the heart. We talked about uh, the sacrifice system, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament and how even then when animals were being offered as a sacrifice, that God was not interested in the flesh and the blood, but rather in the heart of the person who was giving the sacrifice. In other words, for us to live on the altar as a living sacrifice, now in this new system, this new covenant, in the New Testament, we are the replacement of the carcass of the dead animal and we lay ourselves as a living sacrifice on the altar. But we understand that it's our heart that God wants and not our religious dutiful action. It is the very essence of our inner being that God desires. And we talked about this in detail uh, and we talked about how the crucifixion, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus how it terminated the old system. And now Jesus wants our hearts. He desires a relationship with each and every one of us. And what we said this morning was this was a challenge for all of us to be examined from the inside on where we stand with God and where we are, if we're on the altar or if we're off the altar. Brother Clint Parker came up to me after service this morning and he said, you know, it's interesting you talk about the living sacrifice. And he said, part of the problem with a living sacrifice is it always wants to crawl off the altar. And it's so true. That's part of what we're going to talk about tonight is the consistency in us being a living sacrifice. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about holiness the sanctification process of a child of God. And what that means as you grow and as you learn and as God reveals things to you, there are things that I do now as a Christian that I didn't do five years ago. 
There are things that I did five years ago that I felt were permissible, even in a Christian life, that now God has revealed to me that I am better off not going into that thought process or action. It's part of my sanctification, my growth in God as he uh, grows me and as shows me more from his word and as I yield more to his will for my life. So that's where we ended this morning. We gave you the four components of a living sacrifice. Number one was the soul. We talked about this morning, the soul. This is where we ended. And we talked about how the soul salvation is the first and absolute requirement of living a life of sacrifice to God. The life given to you wasn't yours in the first place. It's simply your heart giving back to God what he gave to you. And we also mentioned this that for us to be an authentic Christian, for us to truly be one of God's children, we must be saved. And we've, we've talked a lot about what culture says and how culture is sort of robbing the voice of the church and making it be things that it's not or taking things out of context in scripture. There is only one way for a person to see heaven, to have a relationship with God, and that's through and by the blood of Jesus Christ. You must be born again. That born again is heavy. It's not just uh, an emotional reaction. It's not just that you know that there's a God or that you believe Jesus was the son of God. It is a regenerated spirit born again, a different person, an old man that has died and now a new man that has come to life because of the indwellment of the Holy Spirit. And then tonight we want to explore the body, the body. The body as a living sacrifice. Let's go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2 very quickly. Read these verses in case you were not here this morning. I would invite you to go back and listen to this morning's message to catch up and continue in this authentic Christianity series. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The body, God is desiring your actual physical body. When you lay yourself on the altar, you are giving him your soul first. And second, you're giving him your body, your physical man. Everything about who you are, the way you think, the way you process, the way your emotions are on display for others to see. Everything about your body, both physical and spiritual, should be on the altar given to God. This word present, that you would present your body. This is a temple term. This is a presentation term. It means to surrender up, to yield up, to offer. And then it's to hold nothing back. That I present everything that I am in totality to God as a living sacrifice for him to do what he pleases, how he pleases. This is this priest that we talked about today, that we're all priests offering ourselves as a sacrifice. 
And this is just like the priest bringing the dead animal to lay upon the altar for sacrifice. Now it's ourselves laid upon the altar and we are the presenters. We're coming into God's presence saying, God, I give you my body. I give you everything that I am. I'm not giving it as a dead sacrifice. Thank the Lord. He doesn't want my dead carcass. He wants my body just as it is with life and blood and air in my lungs. He desires me just as I am alive. And this is an everyday, every single solitary day process for each and every Christian. And every day you must get up out of the bed Put your left foot and your right foot forward and say, God, yet again today, here I am. I offer myself to you as a sacrifice. Take me and use me however you please. That is a daily process, a living sacrifice. And it's for us to understand that when we do that, we're saying, God, for your pleasure and for your purpose, In other words, when we put ourselves on the altar, it doesn't come with strings attached. God, I give you myself. I give you all that I am if you'll answer this prayer. That's not how this works. God, I give you my heart and I give you my emotions, the way I think, the way I process. But you got to help me out here with this issue. That's not the process It's the process of God. I give you myself today, right now, in the midst of the greatest storm, the greatest battle in my life. No matter what's happening on the outside, that daily I wake up and say, God, for your purpose and for your glory, no matter what comes, I want to be a living sacrifice for you. And I want you to use me as you please. Sometimes God uses people in the greatest way when they're going through the greatest struggle, the greatest battle. Yet God desires that every day you would offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And as we talked about earlier in the message today, this holy sacrifice, we pointed out the verses in Amos and 1 Samuel, how God so desires the sacrifice But he also desires that the sacrificer is clean, that the heart's intentions are pure, that it's not out of a bounded duty, but a heart that loves God and that wants to serve him. And he asks for a holy sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then here are the defining points of that sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Holy, acceptable unto God. What does that mean? That means when you offer your body back on the altar to God for his glory and for his purpose, he wants that body to be a body that's set apart from sin. God desires to have your life, but he wants your life that is separated, that there is great distance between you and sin. A holy sacrifice is the sacrifice that God finds pleasing, not just the fact that you would live in sin uh, however you want, whenever you want, feed your flesh any way you can figure out to, to feed it and enjoy the pleasures of sin and then get up and say, okay, Lord, I'm yours. 
God said in Amos, I don't even want to hear it. It's like noise to me when a dirty sacrificer comes with a sacrifice. He even said, I will not listen. I will not acknowledge that sacrifice. God wants a holy sacrifice that is separated from sin, holy and presentable to God. If you were to go tomorrow to be invited to meet the Queen of England, what would you wear? I hope you would at least wear something clean that doesn't stink or smell. Maybe you would take it upon yourself to brush your hair and your teeth, gargle a little Listerine. Some of us need to gargle a little kerosene before we go. We had garlic the night before. But the point is for you to go see the queen, to go into her presence, to say hello to her and to greet her and to hear what she has to say to you, you want to be clean. The same way for God uh, when we go to him as a living sacrifice. I want to be presentable to him. I don't want to be ashamed of what I'm offering. Separated from sin. Romans 6.12 gives us a great understanding of what Paul's talking about. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. There was a real problem, a real issue in the early church when it came to sin. A real issue. It took hundreds of years for some of these problems to be corrected. There was a real understanding and it was a misunderstanding and so much of it had to do with culture and the Romans and the way they worship pagan gods and the filthy culture of the day. But it was the understanding of many people that you could accept Christ, he would save your soul, the inner man, but it didn't have a whole lot of consequence on what the outer man, the flesh, would do and how it would behave. So for decades, Paul is preaching to these people who have joined the church, who have been saved, added to the church, yet when they leave the congregation, they go back into the lifestyle like a normal Roman, doing whatever the body pleases, however the body pleases. That's why he said, let not your mortal body be infected with sin. Let not sin reign, therefore, and he, he defines that in your mortal body, your actual flesh. It should be separate from the world. It should not be what your flesh desires. There should be separation. And the point is your body, both your inner man and your outer man belong to God. That's why Christians have such issue when it comes to the sanctity of life. God made all life, it's precious in his sight. The womb is a very precious place in the eyes of God. And your body belongs to him. It's not just what's on the inside that God wants. He wants everything that's on the outside as well. Romans 6.13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Don't lend your body to sin. 
Paul's telling the church, do not allow your body to be a participant in the things of unrighteousness. Don't be an instrument of sin. You have been called to be an instrument of righteousness as part of your sacrifice to God. And that's part of my offering to God. For my flesh to come under subjection and to be put to death on a daily process so that God can be glorified and satisfied with my actions. It's a daily death that the flesh must experience. That every single day I wake up and I realize exactly who I am, Brother Mark. That I am just a sinner saved by grace and that I woke up this morning in a fallen nature with flesh attached to my bone. That flesh must come under subjection to God for you to be on the altar as a holy and acceptable sacrifice to him. I want my flesh to come into subjection so that God can be glorified in my sacrifice. And here's what we've got to understand about our bodies, about the flesh that we all have. At its core is a ugly thing called human nature. It's dirty, it's filthy, and it is the opposite of what God is. God is holy, God is righteous, God is magnificent, and you take human nature and it is the reciprocated opposite of what God is. It's the polar opposite. As far as north is from south or east is to west, that is the human nature when it comes to comparison with who God is. They're not even in the same universe. We are the opposite of God in our nature. That's why a man who has not been regenerated by Jesus Christ is an enemy of God, according to God's word. You say that's harsh to process that lost people would be an enemy of God. It's the human nature that's the enemy, the sinful nature of man, the flesh that so hates the authority of God. Why do people get so angry when you take a Bible and, and say just out loud a Bible verse or share your faith in public? Because there is anger in the natural human existence of mankind towards the authority of God. He hates to be told that he's wrong. That's who we are. It's called the Adamic nature that goes all the way back to our father Adam. It's who we are. Human nature at its core is disgusting and filthy and is nothing like God. That's why ye must be born again. That's why I so disagree with the statement that was made by that pastor who said, once you meet God, nothing changes. If you meet God and nothing changes, you haven't met God. There must be a change. There must be something that's different. And where it's found is in the actions of what's on the outside. I can't see that you're saved, but I can see what your body does. I can listen to the words that come out of your mouth. I can watch and understand what you believe and how you believe it in the way that you live. God demands that in this living sacrifice that we yield our wickedness and our sinful nature to him as part of the living sacrifice. 
And thankfully, he said in this verse, by the mercies of God. Thank God I can't do it in my own power or my own understanding, but I can surrender and yield my stubborn, rebellious will and say, God, I surrender today to you as a living sacrifice. Help me to hate sin the way you hate sin. God, help me to see things the way you see things. Christians have gotten to this crazy idea that we use each other as something to compare to. When all along we should be comparing ourselves to who God is. Well, I'm not as bad as she is. I don't talk the way he does. I don't do X, Y, and Z that Bill, Mary, Sue, or Sally does. That's not the point. The point is that God is holy and he demands a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing from you and from me. A holy sacrifice apart from sin. And that's why people's emotions and the way they feel always leads to some sort of of sinful action or painful experience that requires some healing. Jeremiah said it so clearly that the heart, the human heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all. And so when someone looks at you in the eye and says, well, I can't really conform to what the Bible says because it's just the way I feel. Well, it probably is the way you feel because of your Adamic nature that's fallen away from God, but it does not make it right just because you feel it. And that's what so goes against the grain of our culture. And it's why we as Christians must be so strongly rooted in what authentic Christianity is. My feelings, the way my emotions are, all that is is another way to say that you're obeying the lusts of your flesh and your human nature. And God demands that you yield that wicked, sinful nature to him. Romans 6.16 6, says this. This is strong, powerful language. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. That is a strong, strong verse. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. In other words, you are making a presentation to yourself daily, every single day. The difference is you're choosing who the master is. And if you're not presenting yourself as a holy sacrifice to God that's pleasing to him, then the Bible says clearly that you are presenting yourself to sin and iniquity and shame and that you are the slave of Satan when you choose not to submit to God. You, you obey to whom you present yourself. And if on a daily basis you feed your flesh and what it wants and what it desires, then that is your master and that's whom you serve. If you wake up every day and you say, God, I am a sinful wretch who stands in need of assistance today. 
I love you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my salvation. Now help me today, Father. Put this sinful nature to death as a holy and living sacrifice. That I would not allow Satan or the work of Satan one inch in my life or in my home. I want to be a holy and living sacrifice that I yield my nature to God and bring my flesh into subjection in obedience to God so that he can be my master in righteousness. Lend your instruments, your tools, your work, your ethic, who you are, lend that to the righteousness of God. That's how you become salt and light. Becoming salt and light is not filling your left pocket full of tracks and throwing them out the window on I-26 and say, salt and light, salt and light. That's not being salt and light. It's a very particular instrument of righteousness. That means that it's all intertwined and wrapped up in our relationships. That's how you are the instrument of righteousness. It's in the way you treat other people. It's in the way other people know of you. What do they assess when they talk to you? What do they get when they come to you with a broken heart or a problem or an issue? You are either an instrument of iniquity or an instrument of righteousness, according to God's word. Romans 6, 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Listen to the language that Paul's using here. The infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. The the infirmity of your flesh. There it is again. He's talking about human nature. The Adamic nature of man, the infirmity of your flesh. The word there is asnethia. It's weakness. It's sickness. It means disease or disability, lack of strength. That's how Paul's describing your flesh as a weak, diseased, sick existence. That has no real strength. That describes our flesh. And that's what God demands comes under to subjection to be placed on the altar as a holy sacrifice. Your flesh, before you realize it, your flesh can make you a slave to uncleanliness and lawlessness. The devil never plays fair. Never. It always starts with little steps away from the altar. And slowly and slowly, little by little, things begin to change. And that's why there are so many people who have sat on blue chairs over the years who have gone from being a part of the Jubilee Choir, serving as a Sunday school teacher, or being a part of other churches and other congregations in town, and now they do not even participate in daily worship. They don't come to church. There's nothing that identifies them as a Christian. 
What comes into question then is their salvation. If you can walk away from the altar at a permanent rate or a permanent basis, where's your faith? If you have been saved and you begin to step away from the altar, the wonderful part of this is that God in his mercy will bring you back to where you belong. He will chastise. He will correct. That's the love of the father that he has for his children. That this is a daily struggle. And once you begin the process of getting off the altar, it's like a drain that swirls and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper every single time. And if the enemy could, he would get you off the altar of sacrifice, a holy and living sacrifice for God to keep you from doing and being who you're supposed to be. Moms and dads, if he can distract you from being what you're supposed to be in front of your children to harm your children for a later setup down the road, then that's exactly what he will do. What we have to do is beg God to keep our eyes on Jesus our intentions and our motivations in check and that every single solitary day of our human existence, we understand that something in our life has to die. And it's the guy that I look at every morning when I shave my face. He is who has to die so that I have something worthwhile to offer back to God as a living sacrifice. I don't just want to get my fire insurance policy and go to heaven. This life is but a vapor. And I want every single day of this life, of this existence to count for something. I want to be useful for God. And if I'm going to be useful for God and I'm going to live a godly life, then every single day when I wake up, I must lay myself on the altar as a living sacrifice and say, God, you do with me today what you please. A holy, separated from sin sacrifice by the mercy of God to the best of my ability. The good news is, as you grow in your faith, as God encourages you through his word, this sanctification, this holiness, as time goes on, it grows in consistency. It's one of the greatest attributes of someone who lives a holy life is that they do it on a consistent basis. They're not trying to get off the altar and spend a season in a different place, but that they live every day of their life perfectly on the altar. Consistent, godly, holy people. And that should be the desire of every man, every woman, and every young person listening to this message tonight. That our bodies come under subjection and that we live a holy life as a living sacrifice. Our culture today is so saturated with hypersexuality. It's part of who we are as Americans. 
the content that we consume. What used to have, would have been illegal for your children to come in contact with is now part of an ABC, NBC, or CBS broadcast. Sin has always been there. But as generations of people remove themselves from the altar, as generations of people turn their backs on God and what he requires of man, things deteriorate. And in just a few decades, we've gone from Andy and Barney eating peach ice cream on the front porch with Aunt B and Opie to transgenderism being taught in our elementary schools. That is the natural process of the Adamic nature that man possesses. There is nothing unnatural about that, ladies and gentlemen. It really upsets us. It really causes concern. The world is being the world because that's all they know. But it so highlights the need for you and for me to be authentic Christians, as salty as possible and shining as brightly as possible as living sacrifices for Jesus Christ and for his sake. And tonight, that should be all of our hearts. What more can I do for the Lord? How can I be seen by others to reflect Jesus more brightly? And we can all start by being a living sacrifice for him. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so very much for these two verses in Romans. God, I thank you for the truth that's in your word that we've enjoyed thus far today and for what we will enjoy later in the week. And God, as we all ask the Holy Spirit of God to inspect us, God, we want to be a people, a group of people, a congregation that is known for the sacrifice that we display. God, I want to be pleasing in your sight. Lord, when you look at me, I want you to be happy with what's on the altar. Lord, as we pray this prayer, I pray that you would inspect our hearts tonight. And God, I pray that you'd begin with me. Lord, that you would take the flashlight of truth. God, that you would go into the nooks and the crannies of my heart, my inner person. And God, that you would begin to inspect my very being. And God, anything that does not look like your son, Jesus, Begin the process of cutting it out. Oh God, we put our hearts on the altar tonight for your inspection. God, I pray tonight for the husband who needs to apologize to his wife. God, I pray for the wife tonight who needs to come back to her husband. For the teenager, the young adult that's in sin. 
God, who's removed themselves off the altar. God, I pray that you would stir their hearts. Holy Spirit of God, we believe in the capable hand of God to move in people's lives, to persuade hearts and minds. And God, we pray that tonight you would begin in this room of people, that you would inspect us so that we may live our lives as a sacrifice for you. Inspect our bodies, inspect our soul, know our mind, penetrate our motivations and our intentions. And may we bow in awe of the mighty hand of God moving in our lives. We pray all of these things that we ask, we pray for all these things that only you know. God, you know every need that's in this room right now, every heart, every problem, every issue, every sorrow, every pain, every sin. God, every instance of people off the altar, saved people who have become distracted with the things of this world. God, you know everybody tonight. And God, though we may be able to hide from one another, we cannot hide from God. You know us. You know each and every one of us. And we pray that you would inspect us and that we would change according to thy word. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you are doing in the life of this church. We thank you today for the liberty to preach, the strength and the ability to think. God, for allowing us to get up this morning and dress ourselves brush our own teeth, feed our own bodies. Oh Lord, you've been so good. Oh God, you've been so good. Now Father, in the morning when I wake, I just want to pay you back for today. And I want to be a sacrifice that will live and be your mouthpiece be your arms and be acceptable unto you. Oh Lord, the desire of our heart is to be more like Jesus. Oh God, I pray for that spirit to fall upon our people. Oh God, that we would not be comfortable with status quo. God, that lukewarm water would turn our stomachs God, that we would yield, that we would surrender everything we are to who you are. And Lord, that our children would see examples of living sacrifices of people who love Jesus more than they love their flesh, of people who want to please God more than they want the pleasure of sin for a season. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, devastate us. Inspect us with your word. Penetrate the crust of this world that clings to your people. Clean us up. Polish us. And make us presentable to a holy God. And Father, we pray tonight 
for hearts to be changed forever because of your word. I thank you for these precious, precious people, these dear people. Lord, this church is so precious in your sight. You've blessed this land. You've touched this property. You've used it. Now, Father, we're asking that you would call up the next generation of living sacrifices to carry on the work of God on this property. We preach the word without fear and without favor until you come. This is our prayer and this is our desire. We give it back to you. We ask you to do with our lives as you please. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty, mighty name, we all pray together. Amen.